On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel, a.k.a. Menes. And we're recording today at the beloved SCG. And my two co-panellists are about to head off into the sunset and follow the Australian test team around the country. And Pete is Pete Lawler is so excited about that. Pete, how are you? <laughs> excited. As you say, man, it's actually looking forward to it. I love an Adelaide test. So it's going to be cool to kick off in Adelaide. And, gee, it's going to be good to go and watch some real cricket after about what seems like nine months of writing about politics and squabbling and... Culture. What? Yeah, culture. I never want to hear that word again. Tell me, What was it the Sacred Cowboy said? Every time I hear the word culture, I reach for the barrel of my gun. Good song that too, yeah. Some of the editors around the country lately. Now, uh, Pete, Uh, tell me, I, I, I heard that you'll be commentating on the tests for SEN. Is that correct? Oh, uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's, yep, yep. I will be doing some work for SEM, but not a lot of commentary. I'll be doing one session and I'll be doing a pre-match program with the famous Gerald Wheatley. Have you heard of him? <laughs> I have. Yeah. Says Michael Clark. Well, congratulations, Pete. Well done. Looking oh, forward to you. listening to yeah, that. Yeah. And the other panellist is... Oh, sorry, are you, are you working on radio, Ben? Well, ben well, oh, sorry, we better introduce... Ben Horn, yeah, ben, yeah. News Corp's chief cricket writer... How are you, Ben? Have you been snapped up by a network yet? No, still waiting for the call, but I've left my phone on during this podcast. So um, one of the main reasons why I do this podcast is a bit of an audition, perhaps for um, paid paid work. So anybody out there, how can Any, they get in contact with you, Ben? Um, um, Twitter. Um, oh, you're on Twitter. Yeah, I don't don't have as many followers as you, but... So no work behind the mic or mate, the camera yeah. this summer yet, Ben? No, I'm just dedicated to, the, to my newspaper. Good to see. And this episode of the podcast is a special test series preview. So uh, Pete, Ben and I are going to go through the, the details of the upcoming test series and lay some predictions down on this table. And then to follow our preview, I'm going to interview Mark Howard, who's an integral member of the Fox Cricket coverage and will be there in Adelaide. And it'll give us a little insight into what it's like working with Warney. All right. So, He's oh, a good also, guy, Howie. I like yeah, him, love yeah. Howie. Yeah. Um, show news quickly, exciting news, actually. Listeners out there, this this will make you jump on, on whatever, wherever you're listening. But the podcast is going to two episodes per week over December, January, with the, the women's big bash, the men's big bash, the tests. There's just so much cricket to cover. So there's going to be regular releases on Monday and Thursday. One of those shows will be sort of your classic Cricket Unfiltered podcast where we banter over the news and then the other episode might be a bit more interview based where I'll, I'll call some of the, the News Corp journalists around the country or interview a player. So so the shows don't balloon out to two hours a week. We're just going to split it up into two shows every Monday, every Thursday. Pete, you excited? Well, I'm excited, Menace. Yeah, yeah, you can tell that, can't you? All right. Now let's get into the preview. <laughs> he of he hasn't a... had a drink for about two weeks apparently, so that might be adding to that. <laughs> <laughs> beer editor, beer editor at the yeah. Australian. You're not here in this capacity though today. We, we have an event December 11 at the SCG for subscribers of the Australian. Look, advertised in the paper. I think there's only a few places left. What is it? A beer tasting. A beer tasting, and then an evening with Gideon, the great Gideon Haig, and I talking about cricket. Well, if you're in Sydney, have a look. It's at, it's at the G, and it's great value. All right, now the four-test series starts in Adelaide on Thursday, December 6th. Then they move to the second test in the, the new Perth Stadium. And then they head back east for the Boxing Day and New Year's tests at the MCG and SCG. So I guess I'll start with you, Mr. Ben Horn. Uh, are you expecting a close series? The bookmakers have India's slight favourites. Where do you see it? I, I 
I thought the bookies had Australia favourites, actually. But I, I do think Australia will win the series. Um, I think the conditions in um, test cricket are obviously a huge factor. India struggle away from home. And, look, I think it'll be tight. I think both sides will win a test at some stage. But, yeah, I, I got a feeling Australia might get over the line in a tight one on the back of um, their bowlers and um, Usman Khawaja making some, some runs. Pete, do you see this being a tight series or will one of the teams get, break away? Get your rupees on Ravi Shastri's Indians. I reckon they're going to win. I don't. Well, tight series. It's a four-test series. I just think they've got the edge on Australia. I just that that Australian team isn't a team as such yet. Mm. Uh, it doesn't have the talent that the Indian team has. India's come here with the best bowling attack they've ever brought to this country, or the most appropriate bowling attack they've ever brought to this country. And um, I can't see how they lose. Do you think they'll steamroll us, or do you think the Aussies will scrap oh. away? I don't know. It'll depend on the decks and things. I mean, I, I, the Australians won't be as bad as I imagine they'll be because I'm a pessimist on those sorts of things. And I, at my heart, I am an Australian fan. I try to hide it as best I can. But too many years on the couch painting my face manners before I... Yeah, I don't, yeah I'm all I might, about yeah. the passion, Pete. Passion, are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I was watching in the lead up to this test series a documentary on Foxtel called Two Nations, One Obsession by Peter Dixon, who I think normally does like the AFL documentaries. Uh, but my thing was that in that uh, documentary, they seemed to show that there was a real sort of edge to the Australia-India rivalry and that the, the Indian side, I don't know, it seems like they have some kind of Resentment towards the Australian cricket team built up over a number of years, especially when you hear Ravi Shastri talking about the Monkey Gate incident at the SCG. So I just think there's there's a sort of real you only have to scratch the surface to get some real depth to the rivalry. Yeah, I mean it's it, we were both in India in 2017, and uh, before that got blown out of the water by the South African series. This year, <laughs> it was um, that series had about as much animosity as I've ever seen in a series. Now Pete has covered Monkey Gate before, so you know that that was obviously another level again. So yeah, look, no doubt. I think um, in that documentary, uh, or maybe it was I was at the premiere, and um, you know uh, one of the players, one of the players there, I think it might have been Alan Border or. Um, or plus, yeah, one one of those great players was saying that, you know, th- this is on par now. India and India v Australia and Australia v England. You could put them put them on par in terms of the feeling between the teams. What do you think about tell, that resentment, Pete? Yeah, well, tell me a team. Tell me a serious team in world cricket that do- doesn't resent Australians and doesn't take the Australian want to take the Australian team down a notch. Historically, England have always been like that. South Africa. Ugh. Don't have to say any more, do you, really? Uh, India, India's got on its hind legs in the past 10 to 15 years. And a character like Coley fights fire with fire and has, has the team to do it. But they owe Australia and they owe them big time. And they want to beat them in their own backyard. Just as one of, one of the great aims of Australian cricket back when they used to be able to win elsewhere was to win in India. They want to win here. And, and they're led by a guy who's got a lot of what my mum would call SH1T on the liver. He's a scrapper. He's the bloke who flipped the bird to the SCG. Was it the SCG crowd? Yeah. Uh, on his first tour of Australia. That's what Australians, really, up yours, was his first reaction when he got here. He didn't like them, and he wants to take them down. And Shastri's going to sponsor him in that. And Shastri says to those boys, those Australians, they'll come up and they'll get in your face. And I said, unless you get in their face and go back at them twice as hard, they'll push you down a hole. He said, I won't tell you which hole, he says. But that has been the way he coached that team. And... It didn't work in 2014 because they got it all wrong and they almost lo- they lost it in the first hour in Adelaide, to be honest. But uh, I don't know that they'll make the same mistake again. And you watch their preparations. They're immaculate, aren't they? They are really putting a lot of effort in, to, particularly, particularly to the bowling because you've got to get, get your length right in this country. So a very heated rivalry between the two teams. Let's look at the possible first test teams for both of these sides because it's interesting you know we're not far out from the first test but both India and Australia there's a lot of question marks about what 11 they will actually start with in the first test so let's start with Australia 
it seems like, and you two might have a better idea, that there are three batsmen vying for two spots in the Australian top six. You've got Travis Head, Marcus Harris, or Pete Hanscom are vying for those two spots. But the only curly one is if they were to, say, leave Mitch Marsh out and play all of them. Uh, do you think Marsh is under pressure? No. Justin Langer told us two days ago that the only decision to be made is Marcus Harris or Peter Hanscom. So that's the only uh, selection decision that uh, I'm anticipating. And, yeah, hard to know at the moment, but I've got Marcus Harris in front. Opening up with Aaron Finch and then Kawaja at three? Yeah, that's what I've got too. Yeah, I, yeah, I reckon the, the, the that's only how they'll go unless they have some sort of brain fade when they get to Adelaide. Mm. Yeah. The, the only thing that could change at Menas is um, if they start to worry about um, having, I guess, three left-handers in a row coming in in the middle order. That, that's the only... That, that's That's the... Thinking behind Hanscom is that he would be a right-hander that would break that up in the middle order, but I think um, I'll be surprised if that outweighs their feeling that Marcus Harris should open the batting. I think it makes sense to to have Harris with Finch at the top and have Kawaja at three. Just sort of, I don't know, i just uneasy about our best player, Usman Kawaja, opening the batting. I think he's, you, you want your best player at three, if possible. Yeah, you always have your best player at three, don't you? Yeah, Matt Hayden said that. Matt Hayden said that. We were we were lucky enough to be here the other night when Hayden, Langer and Ponting were on stage. Hayden and Langer inducted as Bradman honorees and Pont they Bobby Simpson labelled one, two and three when they were one, two and three, the engine room, which was uh, quite true, wasn't it? And Haydos observed that made four five we that uh, he called four, five, six and seven, the interior decorators. They put up the curtains after those blokes <laughs> had done all the hard work. It's quite good. But so you've got to get one, two and three right. Yep. Yeah, if you if you're really worrying about Shocking it up with the middle order, mm, you're in trouble. So Kawaja would prefer bat at three. And, and he made that clear, really, by batting at three in the Shield game, didn't he? I mean, if he was planning to open, I reckon he would have opened in that Shield game because he's a captain. He sets the order. Hmm. And I think that was a pretty clear signal that he likes to bat at three. And Andrew McDonald's not his coach, so... We, we mentioned that, a Victorian coach. We, we withdraw that, that. We mentioned at the shop at the top of the show, Gerald Wheatley. Uh, actually, Gerald Wheatley. He he's been saying for a little while now that he he feels like Aaron Finch is being set up to fail in this summer because he hasn't played any real red ball cricket apart from one round of Shield cricket, and he's not traditionally an opener in Australian conditions against the red ball. He, he normally bats in the middle order for Victoria. So d- do you think Aaron Finch is in a, in a sticky situation this summer, batting at the top of the order in an unfamiliar role? Oh, undoubtedly, he's been thrown into the deep end and it's going to be nothing like opening in the UAE uh, against Pakistan, which he, he handled that job very well. But I can see why they are picking him as an opener because there's a dearth of options at the top. They've got a queue of guys who can bat five and six, not many who can bat one to four. You know, Aaron Finch has shown in test cricket that he, you know, albeit in different conditions, that he can do it. He's uh, an international player of serious class with his one-day record. It's a risk, but uh, I can understand why Justin Lang is taking that punt. So what does that make the order then? So you have Harris, Finch, Finch, Kawaja, Sean Marsh, Travis Head, Mitch Marsh. Mitch Marsh. So all my kicking and screaming about the selectors Six, picking yeah. and sticking, it does look like they're digging in on, say, Travis Head particularly, that he, he hasn't had a, a super start to the Shield season and Hanscom has outperformed him at the Shield level, but they're, they're backing their judgment, which I, I agree with. I think at some point you've got to make a call and back a few players and if Head's someone they're going to stick with, I, I don't mind it. Hanscom, though, with a test average of more, almost 45, is pretty close, I would say, to getting in. Yeah, yeah, I mean, probably if he'd scored one more hundred or something, he might have might have got there. I, I I don't mind the thinking with sticking with those guys simply because no one's done enough to push them out. You've got to you've got to take someone's spot, and you know, scoring one hundred in the first four weeks of a shield competition is probably not really enough. I know Langer said that they're going to play Mitch Marsh, but there is a slight groundswell of feeling that having six batsmen there and, you know, Head can bowl a few of his little offies as you all rounder uh, would be a better option than having someone at six who averages 30 at test level. Oh, I think they're really nervous about their bowl, about doing that in a six-test summer, wouldn't you? you know? Well, we this is the argument that goes around in circles every summer. I mean, they've tried the other way before and instantly... 
people were crying out for an all-rounder. So I think Australia needs an all-rounder, but you know they need an all-rounder who's obviously contributing. So I think Mitchell Marsh is the right selection, but he's got to aim up in the first couple of tests this summer, otherwise he will be under pressure. Um, but you know, in terms of should he be replaced, I mean... He's done as much in the first few rounds of the Shield as what Peter Anscombe has. If you look at you know, you know hundred in the hundred column, for example, and aside from a couple of bad tests against Pakistan, you know the t- last twelve months for Mitchell Marsh has, has been good. Yeah, I agree. Give him a go. Give him a go at six. That's a better spot for him. Look, the Australian bowling attack, there's no debate about that. Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins will play with Nathan Lyon and the spinner. Do you know why they went for both Siddle and Tremaine in the squad? I'm back. I, I, I don't know why they put Siddle in the squad, to be honest with you. I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, he was incumbent. I get that. Mm. He did a really good job in the UAE. Lang likes him, but I would have thought there are other... There's no injuries that we don't know about with the big three quicks. I mean, they've all been bowling in the net, so... Yeah, I mean, look, I wouldn't necessarily read too much into it. I think, you know, I realise that they've got a lot of their experienced bowlers back now, but I do think an element of just having Peter Siddle around the squad, I think Justin Langer likes his presence. You know, he's just a good teammate. I think if there's an injury, Tremaine will come in. Uh, I think Tremaine would be ahead of Siddle. Uh, and if there's two injuries, I would think they might even bring someone in outside the squad. But Pete Siddle is certainly on track to be part of the Ashes squad next year, and I think having him around, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Now let's look at the Indian top order. They're in a, a similar position to Australia where they've got an extra batsman and they're all, you know, pushing for a spot in the top six. The big change is that Prithvi Shaw has rolled his ankle at the SCG in the CA11 game. But I would think if he's not available, then it makes it easy. They'll have Murali Vijay and KL Rahul open up the top, and then they would have Pujara 3, Kohli 4, Rahane 5, Rohit Sharma 6. How do you see their top order shaping? Well, I think what they had for this tour game, you would think would be a fairly good guide, and Murali Vijay wasn't batting in the um, in the tour game in the well, you know he probably will get a bat at some point but in the first innings they they picked an 11 and he wasn't in it so i would think that that's probably the way that they're thinking um, VJ, Rahul and VJ scored 482 runs at 60 on the last tour here yeah and apparently did he have a decent county season or something i think someone was saying so yeah look it didn't look good for uh, for sure and can i just tell you as a storyteller that's a real kick in the guts not having Britvy Shaw there. Nineteen year old kid. I mean, if you get a chance to watch this this kid play cricket and you haven't, get out there because you know the the, the vibe around him is that he's the next such and he he's got here at the same age. Was such an eighteen or nineteen when he got here first? Eighteen. Time? Eighteen. Such an. I saw off. the hundred he made out here yeah, when he was eighteen. Then, yeah, made those two hundreds on that tour. This kid's 19. He is the goods. I mean, he's made 500 as a schoolboy cricketer. He's played cricket since he was in nappies. I mean, he was facing up to the hard ball when he was shorter than the stumps. Um, he's a great story. That happened to me a few times. Yep, it still does, apparently. Um, Beyond the Boundaries. <laughs> it's a documentary on uh, that you can look up, I think, on Netflix. Um, he's in it when he's 11 years old. Check it out. It's a great story. I think that obviously the danger man in the Indian top order is Virat Kohli, but when you sort of go away from that, Rahane averages over 50 in Australia at test level. I think uh, Pujara... 57 last time, I reckon. And yeah. Pujara is a, is a sort of gritty customer, the number three. He's the, he's the sort of guy who'll dig in. He played that uh, big knock in the 2-2 two two India um, last year. Oh, did he make a double hundred or a big hundred in that? It was, a, bit, my mind, it was yeah. a frustrating knock, I remember that. So, I think, look, their top order is really strong, whoever they pick. And then you look at their bowling order. They've got Shami, Sharma, Bumrah and Yadav and Bhuvaneshwar Kumar, Kumar all in great form this year. The figures here are outstanding for their year figures. So, how are they going to pick three or four from that lineup? Oh, Ishan, Bumrah and Kumar, I reckon. Shami and Yadav miss out, but... Uh, that that would be the way I think they'd go. But mm. uh, that, yeah, I've never I, I, seen India come here with five quicks. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think Ishant and um, Bumrah. I think they're the, they're the two certainties. I think you know Bumrah's their next big thing. He's he's their Mitchell Stark. And he's taken twenty five wickets to twenty five this year. Never played a test in Australia. And Ishant um, has had a great county season. 
and um, has a poor record in Australia. You unearthed this in an article a couple of days ago. Ah. 20 wickets at 63 touring Australia for Ishant Sharma. That would make him the worst worst fast bowler to ever visit these shores, wouldn't it, mate? Well, under a certain metric it would, yes. Over um, 2,000... 2,000 balls or more on these shorts. Yeah. He is the worst performed fast bowler. Really? Yeah. And, you know... Does that, does that sort of put a question into him playing here? No. Well, there's a few factors, but, I mean, he... Come you know, on. Come on. He, he's a much better bowler now, isn't he? He's going to yeah. play here. He's yeah. going to play, yeah. yeah. And and he's he's taken 250 test wickets, mm, so yeah. he's a serious bowler. And, you know... Ashwin, 21 wickets at 55 in Australia. Not good. There was a mixed response yeah. to that article, and and the one point was the that mixed bit out of India. The the one bit, <laughs> the one bit, um, the one point that I, I would take on board and probably didn't reflect in my article was that Ishant has come here with some poor attack, so he hasn't been on his own, and perhaps his um his record has been you know made to look worse by some, by carrying a few blokes as well over the years. He's a great story, Ishan mm. Sharma. I remember he came here in 2007. He was the skinniest kid I have ever seen. He played in a practice game at the old Junction Oval before they renovated St Kilda. And um I watched him bowl and thought, "Gee, that kid's the goods, but he won't last 4 minutes in cricket because he's a stick insect and uh, and he'll break." And here we are 11 years later. Still going around. Odd yeah, wickets. yeah. Never ask me what I think, but uh, but gee, he was good on that tour. And of course, that was the tour where he bowled to Ricky Ponting in Perth. That's one of those spells of bowling that nobody's ever forgotten. Mm. Like Australia were really getting on top there. Mm. Punter was flying, and he just got the wind going the right way, got the ball going the right way, and he really tested the Australian captain. Mm. Yeah. It was right up there with that. Alan Donald's spell here some years ago mm. to the wars. Mm. Love that spell. Mm. Uh, just about Boomer. I think he's he sort of looks to me as the, the danger man in this attack. He's got that odd action. Uh, he moves the ball just enough. Uh, I think he could be the one that could sort of knock over the top order. Bowls like a Dalek, doesn't he? Yeah, he stiff arm. I reckon it'd be yeah. hard to pick up that ball like you know Mitch Johnson or a Jeff Thompson. Yeah, it comes at your odd. Yeah. All right, now it's question time. Question times for the esteemed News Corp journalists that I have on the panel, Ben Horn and Pete Lawler. So I'll start with you, Ben Horn. Do we Horn. have to buzz in? Or? No, it's just, it's just a question. Do you think Coley will make over 400 runs in this test series? Yes. Yes. Pete? I think he'll make over 500 the way he's been looking. Well, he made, what, 692 last time he I was I would love, here. like, six ducks, though, something like that. It would be so good. The Olympic rings, five ducks would be good, but I don't think it'll happen. How many runs did he make when we were over there? Not many. That could be last. No, he struggled when Australia was in India, but um, uh, he only played three matches and didn't make a hundred. They um, had a really good bowling plan to him. Do you remember that pitching it up yeah. and wide, wide outside off, and he was chasing them and getting caught. Mm. You know, second, third gully. Um, mm. It was a it was a very simple plan. Mm. He'll be ready for that this time. Nobody. He he works really, really, really hard mm. on his game, that, and he, he's a determined cricketer. He averages over fifty in every form, doesn't he? Yeah, it's annoying, annoyingly good in every form. I mean, I don't. No cricketer's ever done that before. Yeah. yeah. Pete, who do you think will be Australia's leading test run scorer this summer? The kid from round here, Usman Kawaja, I reckon. He's got he's to be the guy. He's got to be the guy that they hang their performances off at number three. Ben? Um, well, I think Usman is key, is key for Australia. The other person who's key is Sean Marsh. Uh, so you think one of those two will be leading think, run scorers? Well, Sean Marsh averaged four the last time India came here and he played. But he's he's certainly found his confidence as a Test cricketer since then. He he's and gonna, lost it again and found it yeah, again and, and lost, lost it, it again. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, yeah. I think if Sean Marsh didn't play another Test match, you know, he, he's he's built himself up a pretty respectable career. Um, but Will he go down as a great? No, <laughs> that's a joke. But right, um, so, so you're saying Marsh? But I, I think I think he'll I think Sean Marsh will have a good summer. Yeah. So leading Test run scorer Sean Marsh from Ben Horn. Pete Lawler, Usman Kawaja. I'm going to say Aaron Finch at the top of the order. He's going to have a blinder. Which so, of, so you don't agree with the Waitley thing that he's being set up to fail? I 
don't agree with it, no. I think there's – look, it's a prediction. I could be wrong. Simon, but I just like, si- Simon I like Kadich thinks he should bat in the middle order, that he shouldn't be opening. Simon's a very good judge of horse flesh. This is Aaron Finch? Yeah. Oh, a lot of people think that. I think Mike Hussey said that. Darren Lehman has said that. Oh, I'm talking about serious cricket people. <laughs> Mate, Simon, yeah, yeah. I just like Sorry, Finch. Darren. I Sorry, like Mike. <laughs> I like Finch on our wickets against the new ball, yeah. against this Indian attack. I think he could do well. But look, I've been right. wrong about many right. predictions. Which of Australia's bowlers will be the leading wicket taker for the Test Summer? It was Pat Cummins in the Ashes last year. Ben Horn, who do you think? Yeah, I mean, why not Pat Cummins again? Superman. Great bowler. And, Great um, guest on the podcast. Yeah, very, very much a big game, big game player. And a workhorse, which we never expected him to be. I'm Bowls. Not, he's quite slight, Pat Cummins. I don't know. We're no sort of. He's not hulkingly big like I expected. No, he's not as big as some, but um, he's uh, he works real hard. Uh, but I'll go for Hazelwood if, if there's a competition here. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, going, competition. Well, I'm going for Mitch. I'm going for Mitch Stark. I think. Why, uh, uh, and let's not talk. Forget about um, the lion, Nathan. Yeah, I just I don't think he'll be the leading wicket taker. Really, he got twelve in Adelaide last time. Yep. Twelve, twelve, one on the Test match. That's right. Hey, um, there's. Do you see that story in the Australian on Saturday morning? Which one? The one about the uh, with the interview with the curator at Adelaide. No, well, what happened? Oh, it's a good story. He reckons he's not going to change anything from the day-night test matches. Uh, he's he's going to leave that grass on the wicket and keep it lively. So that's fantastic news. We. Uh, not only because Ben's itching to get to the Barossa Valley on the, you know, um, <laughs> Ben's never drunk wine in his life. No, that's great news because that's going to make an exciting test match. We're not going to get one, go back to that old Adelaide five days and you know hope it, hope something happens when it all breaks up mm. on the last day. As much as the CEOs like that, I think we're going to get a lively game of cricket and yeah. that'll be great. I wonder if that'll sort of stay all summer, but it, it sort of plays into both teams' hands. Both have strong, fast bowlers. So you'd hope, I guess, that if they leave the wickets nice and lively, it'll be a, a sort of close series. Well, I've got some faith in this new Perth pitch. Every, you know, it's got life. In fact, it, from all reports and, and what I've seen, it behaves more like the wacker than the wacker ever has. In so, the last 10 years at least, anyway. Yeah, yeah. that's right, or longer even, I reckon, mm. because, um, yeah. We could see a bouncer war between the two sides. No, but it, Ravi Shastri yeah, mandates no, well, body line 2.0. Yeah. I, I hope it is lively. I, I want to, you know, and, and the Indians are preparing for that. You watch their throwdowns. There's a lot of balls in that sort of uh, deodorant area, you know, armpit balls. Yeah. So I'm going Mitch Stark leading wicket taker. He, he was bowling really quick in the T20 game he played for Australia. I think it'll rattle the Indian tail. Will Tim Payne retain his place this summer in the test side? I have a slight inkling that come the Sri Lankan series, he might not be the test wicket keeper. I don't think that will happen. I think um, Tim Payne will be playing the whole summer. Um, I think they need him. I mean, I can't think of What if he can't else. score a run, though? He's well, he's batting at number seven. I mean, there'll be some problems if, if that's what's letting Australia down. I mean, surely the wicket keeper only gets dropped if... Um, if like the rest of the side's making runs and he's not, and I'll tell you another reason, and I don't think I don't think we'll even get to this. I've got a lot of faith in the way that Tim Payne bats. I reckon he's a really good bat, batsman. But even if he doesn't make runs, you look to a Sri Lanka series and say, "Oh no, we need someone else with the gloves and a bat at seven. Who's your captain? Usman Khawaja. Yeah, possible, but uh, no, he hangs in there. He'll he'll be there all summer. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I hope. I really hope because I'm a big fan of Tim Payne. I'm a big fan too, but he hasn't looked in great form in the but, Sheffield Shield but, so far uh, with the bat. But I mean, look at his last Test series. I mean, he saved he saved a match for Australia that you know won't be forgotten. I mean, you know, making a big deal about the Shield games. I mean, what you do in Test cricket's what matters. And I haven't seen him put a foot wrong in um, in the mm. Test matches he's batted in. He might not be your Gilly or your um, Hay- Haddon or Matt Wade sort of smash. You know, smash fifty off twenty balls or something, but it doesn't matter. Like he's for, for the, the what Australia's needed is someone to stick around with the tail, and that's what he's done in almost every match he's played. 
Wade, Wade, he's good bat, isn't he? Mm. He's having another good summer. Keep your eyes on Matthew Wade as a batsman. I mean, I know he bats down the order, but he, he's just, he's turning a very well. He always was a good bat, but uh, God, yeah, there'd be some irony if Wade came back in at the end of the summer as keeper. No, uh, he'd come back as a batsman. Now, yeah. over or under, will the match referee have to talk to Coley about his behaviour more than five times or less than five times? That is the question. Will the match referee have the nerve to talk to Virat Kohli about his behaviour? Because uh, no one ever has in the past. But yeah, yeah, he'll he'll push line, and he's already done it here this morning. He's had a bit of a blow up at, at the umpires over a run out. He had some. Well, no, there's no reason to blow up at umpires. You're not allowed to do that. But, Did you uh, see him go out for the toss in the CA11 India game in shorts and uh, thongs, basically? No, when was that? There's a photo on the net of Coley. Oh, you mean a few, like three or four days ago? Oh, oh, yeah. No, sorry. Yeah. There's a photo of uh, Coley, you know, going out for the toss in his civvies. There's a long history of Indian captains doing unsettling things at the toss, as in, it was heads, mate, don't worry about it, you're batting. Or well, Saurav making Steve Wall wait. So funny. God, I used to love it. <laughs> he used Horn, to how many war, times man. will hey? Coley get taken up to the match referee's office under five or over um to the office that's that's a fairly significant okay, step. How, about, how many times will they just have to go up and just say call it you're at i'd say yeah well it could be five times in the first test yeah, you're with me so we're both overs pete's not even sure they'll have the guts to do it <laughs> all right now series result predictions i know this is the segment you two both hate but i'll go first I'm going to predict Australia is going to win this series 3-1 with India perhaps winning the SCG test. Ben, what's your prediction? 2-1 Australia. P. Lawler. 2-1 India. Well, good predictions, guys. All right, that was our little preview of the test series Australia v. India starting at the Adelaide Oval. We're going to take a quick break, then I'm going to be back with Ben and Peter to go through the cricket headlines. Just remember, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, subscribe on whatever app you listen to the show on and tell your cricket-loving friends about Cricket Unfiltered. It was beautifully controlled, wasn't it? This time he advances, takes on everyone, there's Virat Kohli, and lands it amongst his adoring fan base. And we're back at Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. Ben Horn, Pete Lawler and Menas here. That was Virat Kohli going big in the T20 series. All right, let's get into the cricket headlines brought to you by Sydney's The Daily Telegraph and the national broadsheet, The Australian. Let's start with the Australian Women's World T20 team. Champions, as discussed in the last show, uh, Lisa Healy, the real the player of the tournament, 225 runs at an average of over 50. Had a big reception in Melbourne um, at Federation Square. Uh, a couple of things to come out of it, that they're discussing a women's CPL, Caribbean Premier League, uh, uh, floating the prospect of a women's element to that. And there's been some talk of already the women's T20 World Cup final that will be played at the MCG in 2020 on International Women's Day that they want to try and break the world record for attendances to a women's event, which obviously gets a boost with the Aussies being the defending champs. That's interesting. What are they looking at? About 91,000 people. Now, I, I, I forget which year it was that they had the first women's T20 final. It was at North Sydney Oval. The crowd was 2,000 people. <laughs> wow. So that tends to show you the growth in the women's game in that very short period of time. So it's fantastic. Yeah. And that 2020 is not that far away, is it? And they get a standalone. They get the... February, March. February, March. So they get the end of summer and then the men's T20s the at the start of the, the next, next summer. Yeah, so just a little brief. Um, You'll have, there'll be too much T20 cricket for you though, Pete. Yeah. Uh, you must be very upset, Pete, that they've changed it from the World T20 to the T20 World Cup. No, I couldn't give a flying. In fact, I think that's what I always called it. I mean, I was just, why? You know, yeah. Yep. What do you think, Ben? Do you think calling it the T20 World Cup takes away from the 50-over World Cup? Now we've got you know, no. two World Cups. No. no. I couldn't care less. I just alternate between the two anyway in my copy to, just to change it up. Yeah. And I'll continue to do that. Yeah, that's right. It's like, like spelling, a, isn't it? You do it three ways and know that maybe one of them is going to be right. That's yeah. why I continue to call um, the Australian team the Southern Stars as well, just because... It's a different way to break up the sentence. I do don't you? have enough big words to 
change it up. And they they're still at Southern Stars on Twitter, so it's and it's a good name. I don't I don't see. Yeah, I, I like it. It's a good. It's good, good to have a nickname. Mm. All right. I wish we'll, the Australian men's team had a nickname. It's hard to. Well, there's a few one that you could use on air, you mean? Nicknames yeah. going around at the moment. Uh, Warner Smith and Justin Langer were seen catching up last week in Sydney. Dave Warner and Justin Langer at the SCG. Then we saw the day after Smith and Langer having breakfast in a cafe, and then apparently after that, Langer and Warner caught up again. Uh, and Justin Langer has admitted that Australian cricket is a dysfunctional family. This is from your story, Pete, and that and mine. Other- well, I. Just- I think this is actually cut, well. This is actually cut and pasted from the Oz, yeah. and that the relationship between Steve Smith and David Warner needs Who's healing. Sponsoring this podcast, did, he's just a guest. Uh, okay, all right. So yeah. I, I'm stumped. Okay. Don't let him put you off manners. You, <laughs> no, you, you, so, you, you read it in the paper of record. Keep going, mate. Yeah, um, yeah that's petty, Ben. Move on. I'm, I'm we, having, but we did both interview them at the same time. Okay. Well, yeah. now. What were you saying? What do you think about that meeting between Warner Smith and Langer? Is it sort of signalling that, you know, they're starting the process of trying to sort of smooth the waters for them to come back into the team? 100%. That's exactly what they're doing. And I think that's the first public acknowledgement that not only is there a process, that it's a difficult process that, you know, I think Ben might have referred to the uh, sort of the elephant in the room there is that the relationships have been fractured by what happened in South Africa. They're not healed and there's a lot of healing that needs to be going on and Justin Langer's playing some sort of mediator role, just what he needs really, as if he hasn't got enough else to do. But he says you just can't open the door and let these two blokes walk back in, possibly three. Everyone forgets Cam, or I always do. And that's no disrespect to Cam. No, there's real issues there, and uh, they've got to address them. And naturally, I mean, it's like anybody. I mean, you know, if there's a tragedy in a family or something like that, relationships are tested and people blame each other. And there is, I don't know what the nature of it is exactly, but, there is ill feeling between various groups within that team. My, my only observation is that when I've been at the SCG, I've never seen Smith and Warner training with the New South Wales team at the same time. I don't know if they have. That's no, good. I don't think Ben they have. brought yeah. that up. That's why Ben asked that question that led to this story, mm. actually. Yeah. yeah, like I think it's conspicuous that they've been training but not together. So, you know, we've had a week now of, the, of them training with the Australian setup and have been training with New South Wales for some time. I think the next significant moment will be if and when they're they're there at the same time and they're, you know, reintegrated together. I guess that doesn't happen have to happen anytime soon. Their bans don't expire till the end of March. But um yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that evolves during the summer. They have they have been out together. They have had dinner mm. together and they do exchange. Did you messages. both report on that as well? I didn't. Okay. Oh, I probably had a big <laughs> I, I had a few bigger yarns that day. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any pearls of uh, information that came out of those meetings that you'd like to share with the listeners? Well, was that your cafe, wasn't it, Menace? The coffee with... Um, <laughs> no, Nathan Ste- Lyon has put a, bl- a red line through my cafe. How come? He came in and then turns around and I'm sitting there and he's like, oh, bloody cricket journos here. So he stopped coming in. Oh, that, so that wasn't your cafe that we saw in the secret film? No. Right. One thing that... A line that stood out from me from your article, Pete. It was a quote from Justin Langer. I went out for dinner with Hados the other night. It was the first time I've laughed for about six months, I reckon. Dead set. Yeah, yeah, very serious, this stuff. Um, JL is battling. I mean, it's an enormous job and he's buckling under the weight of it and he's admitted it. I mean, I did an interview with him a couple of months ago where he said he wasn't sleeping. First time in his life, he sort of wakes bolt upright at night with the weight of the world on his shoulders. I mean, he's got the biggest job in cricket trying to pull all this back together. I kind of saw that when he reacted to the Marcus Harris questions about his relationship with him. You know, Langer was so animated. You can just tell he's sort of really mm. – everything's heightened at the moment. But I like that. Everything's I mean, heightened with Jay all coach, the time. You should yeah. be. It's not all about just going out and having a drink and – Fixing everything that way. But he hasn't been having much fun and he hasn't been laughing and he's saying that. He hasn't been sleeping, for God's sake. So it, it has been a really tough time for, for Langer. And I'm absolutely convinced you can't be coach of all three formats. I, I'm, 
Not now, but what they need to do is make him the head coach and get in a white ball coach so he can have some sort of oversight on that team. But it, it's too much responsibility, the three formats. I reckon after 2020, when that World Cup's done, we might see that split. I heard a rumour on the radio last week on the big sports breakfast that Nathan Lyon failed a skinfold test and that's what kept him out of Australia's one day sides. Do you two know anything about that? I haven't heard that but uh, I do know that that was a reason why players weren't getting picked for that squad that went to England back in June. Um, Chris Tremaine was one of those players uh, which he's since admitted. So um, I haven't heard that about uh, what you're saying there but I have um, heard that has applied to other players earlier in the year. Yeah, we'll be See, that's, that's rubbish, isn't it? That is absolute rubbish. What? If if Nathan Lyon is the skinniest bloke I've ever met, he's a Giacometti statue in whites. You're telling me he's he's over the skin folds. So does that ins- does that make him a lesser bowler? Does that does that diminish his skill? I mean, that's just... Well, look, it's an unconfirmed report, but I just wanted to throw it there to you guys. All right. I'd be surprised if that applied to, to him. but uh, And I'm not saying that that's the sole reason why... Um, Others didn't get picked, but, um, you know, fitness is obviously a, a big um, focus for the new team. Definitely. And, and it's made a huge difference for guys like Kawadra and Finch. There's a new chairman at Cricket Australia. Earl Eddings has been appointed chairman, uh, replacing David Peaver. Uh, there's some, some uh, reports that the Cricket Victoria is not 100% happy with Earl Eddings' appointment. They're not. They're 100%, they're 100% not happy. And, and, and it's extraordinary. Not? Why, well, it's, I'll tell you first of all why it's extraordinary. Earl Eddings is basically Victoria's guy on the board. The last CEO, sorry, the last chairman stood down because he lost the support of New South Wales, which wasn't even his state. So here you have a guy, except the new chairman, doesn't have the support of his home state. That just goes to show you, show you what a schmozzle they are in. Uh, having said that, why don't they? Because in 12 months, they won't renew his term. They want a different director on the board. They want a clean sheet to start with. I don't disagree with that. But equally, I don't disagree with Earl Eddings being in the job because I think Earl Eddings should have that job for 12 months. While they do a search, they'll have four new directors coming in. Hopefully, they can identify a chairman for a new era. Earl Eddings isn't that bloke because he's been on the board for 12 years. And uh, it just goes to show you what a mess Cricket Australia had been at board level and at executive level for so long leading up to this point. Thank God for the long staff review. Thank God that the New South Wales is standing up to David Peaver and uh, getting rid of him. But, uh, yeah, that's a rant, isn't it, Peter? No, good one. Yes. I, I heard I'll you on now. the radio talking about that it hasn't been easy to fill the, the, the director's positions on the board. So I think this is good. Put someone in for a 12-month basis and try and build a, a good board from there. Uh, before we end the headlines, we have to talk about the biggest spat in Australian cricket for a long time. Michael Clark v Simon Kadich and Jared Waitley. It started on Macquarie Sports Radio where Michael Clark said lots of things. It was a 17-minute interview, but one of the things he said about the Australian team is that it should aim to be respected and not liked. Then the next day on radio, Jared Waitley came out and had a bit of a go at Michael Clark's comments and said that, you know, you can draw a direct correlation from when Clark took over to when the standards started to fall within the Australian team. Simon Kadich said that Clark displayed a lack of understanding. I found it interesting then, in, at that point in the show, Jared Waitley threw the matter to the callers and 90% of the callers were backing Michael Clark, saying, I agree with Clark, I don't want to be liked, I want to be respected. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think there was anything unreasonable about what Michael Clark was saying at all, but is is that what Australia's been saying that they want to be liked and not respected? No, I mean, it's, that's th- the wrong That's line. I mean, I, I don't yeah, I mean, look, I guess the players pact might have confused a few people in terms of what that was trying to say, but um what a document that was. But I mean, Months I was in the preparation, three yeah. paragraphs. But probably. look, I was in the UAE when they played Pakistan and Australia shook hands before the game and all that stuff, but there was nothing. I mean, they played terribly in the second test, but you look at that first test, I mean, they did play tough cricket. You know, there was a bit of sledging that was picked up from Nathan Lyon at some stage on the on the stump mic, so it wasn't like they were being like church mouses out there. But, 
I don't know. I just feel like everyone in this argument seems to be arguing the same thing. <laughs> that's, what, that's, well, that's, what, that's what's confusing Waitley, me. That's what Waitley said when he... So Clark wrote a big tweet in response to Waitley's comments. And I think Clark really got annoyed with the linking of the ball tampering to Michael Clark, which I can understand. I think that's that's a pretty long bow to draw to try and mm. say that Clark had... Yeah, I know, think he was entitled to... Fire back at that. Yeah, stick up for his integrity. Clark didn't miss, though. He said, facts don't seem to play a part in your form of journalism. And my conduct as an honest, by-the-rules captain has never been questioned. And this is the line. For Gerald Wheatley to insinuate that I'm responsible for the ball tampering issue makes him nothing more than a headline-chasing coward. So it absolutely kicked off. Wheatley responded the next day. And Whaley took it on the chin, actually. He was pretty good about it. But it was just a sort of ugly incident. Pete, what's your take on it? Yeah, I reckon... Because you're, you're close to Cat. You're going to work for SCN and Jared. <laughs> so you put, put a me few... in a spot at all, does it? Uh, I think I was surprised at how hard Jared went. I'd actually listened to the Michael Clark interview the night before. I didn't, didn't find anything really to disagree with too much. I'd like to ask Jared you know, expand on his views a little bit more. Um, but if Jared went hard, Michael went really, really hard. And it's just, I mean, it escalated quickly. I've never seen a blue, like, flare up that quickly mm. before. And well, you can yeah, see I how agree much it with touched. what you were saying about it, Ben. You know, it just seemed everybody was sort of going around in circles, like well, taking, but- taking each other the wrong way. And I think basically everyone was pretty much on the same yeah. song sheet to a degree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, I actually, like, I, this is a point that you tweeted, Pete, or at least retweeted from someone else. Yeah. But one of the funny things about it is, like, why does Australia think that they have exclusive rights on playing tough, hard cricket? I um, mean, That was like, Bumble this morning. Yeah. Lloydie, yeah. 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 I mean, that's the other funny thing, that you've got all these ex-players standing up, you know, talking about how Australians have to play cricket and all that. I mean, isn't that just how you, how any test team would try and play? I mean, obviously, in this climate, no one is going to suggest that Australia needs to go out there and abuse the other team. So if we can all accept that, then I just think everyone's basically arguing different degrees of the same argument. (laughs) Yeah, I sent out a tweet that got a a lot of response, actually, and this is my tweet. It is not a question of whether Australia play tough cricket or are liked. The Australian public has made it clear it doesn't want an abusive, rude and ugly team representing it. Winning and losing is not determined by that choice. And, and I stick by that. I, I don't think it's about playing tough cricket or being liked. It's just n- not being a pack of morons. And I thought when they said they wanted to be liked, they wanted to be liked by the fans. Mm. Yeah, yes, not definitely. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but, gee, I mean, yes. but I think Michael Clark was, um, you know, there's a lot of things that Michael gets criticised for and a lot of it he, um, you know, he, he stays silent on. But I think... Um, feeling that his integrity as a captain was questioned, um, you know, obviously sparked that response. You know, it's something that he's, he's proud Fair of. Fair response too. Yeah. And, All right. You know, so- and, and, and the thing is that the ball tampering incident no matter what you say about culture and all that kind of thing, I mean, it's a specific incident, isn't it? And Michael Clark had been retired for three years. That's curious right. language in that response. Some curious words that I've never heard <laughs> Michael Clark use. I think you would have got on the old Google machine there and. Got some synonyms. Here under, here under. <laughs> Have you ever heard that word? And that word seniors. I've never heard Michael Clark refer to seniors either. Yeah. Well, I reckon we should leave our preview there, Pete and Ben. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, so, listeners, Ben Horn is going to be writing all summer on all the News Corp's papers. So you won't we'll- hear me on a television station or a radio station. I'll- I will be behind the keyboard. Every minute from Sunday until January 11. The phone Dedicated. hasn't rung then, mate, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's not too late. If you do have a, a an opening on radio, community radio, student radio. Uh, the uh, host of this podcast should uh, be considered as well. You, hey, uh, you're after a gig too, well, Menos? Uh, you know, this podcast is an hour a week. I could, do, I could fit in more. What about your cafe? Someone can look after that. Um, well, Pete, have a great summer. Thanks, Obviously, I'm going to be gonna pretty talk. busy. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to fit in any more podcasts, to be honest. Uh, yeah. But we'll be able to talk on the phone then. And uh, yeah, check out all talk Pete's to my, work my agent. Yeah. at theaustralian.com.au. There's a lot happening there, um, subscription specials. So go and find it all. Pete uh, and Gideon Haig, of course. We've got Gideon there and Andrew Faulkner, the great Andrew Faulkner from Adelaide, long-term Gloveman. 
Do you know him? I'm really the thing I'm looking Kensington forward to Lightning most Lightning, about yeah. the um, Australian beer night that you were advertising earlier on December 11 at the SCG subscribers only is yep. um, just to get Gideon's Gideon's analysis of the beers that are there. Yeah, that'll be good, won't it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, listeners, you've been he spits, listening. He doesn't to swallow. Yeah. Pete Lawler and Ben Horn. I'm going to be back after the break with Mark Howard from Fox Cricket. Hello. Hey, Howie, it's Menas. Welcome to Cricket Unfiltered. How are you? Thanks for having me on, Menas. How are you, great man? I'm very good, but it's an exciting week for you as Fox Cricket builds up to its first test. How are you feeling? Um, yeah, really looking forward to it, actually, Menas. Uh, I've had a few days off away with the family and sort of started to look at the Indian lineup yesterday, and yeah, it's tremendously exciting. I was lucky enough to be involved with 10 the, when we did the first Big Bash game, and I remember going into that, the, the nerves and the tension, and everyone was just hoping to do their best. And I think there's a bit of that with Fox Cricket as well, but I think they're probably a little bit more established, the people they've got involved and the names they've got behind the scenes and in front of the camera. It's tremendously exciting. It's obviously new for Australian uh, cricket as well to have a couple of different broadcasters so it should be great fun mate i'm looking forward to it yeah seven and fox cricket are gonna go up against each other you worked with ricky ponting for a long time on the big bash it's going to be a bit strange for you isn't it looking over and seeing him in the rival c- coverage <laughs> yeah i have thought about that a bit uh, we've texted each other a few times and we we certainly talked a lot back in march and april when he was doing the ipl and 10 lost the rights as to to what path we were going to both go down. But, um, you know, Rick's a superstar. <laughs> Rick could do it on Fox, on 7 or community TV or radio and people are tuning in because he's not only a wonderful cricketer, I think everyone's through in the big bash how good he is at analysing cricket. So it will be weird, but it's not like we're on... I think there's so many people, Minas, that have cross-pollinated the different organisations that you've worked with in the past that... I personally don't feel a rivalry. I'm sure the organisations themselves feel some form of rivalry and they're competing for the advertising dollar and the eyeballs. But I think on my on my level, it, it'll just be great to see more of your friends at the cricket, to be honest. Yeah, that's right. You know, behind the scenes, everyone will have a bit of a laugh and a giggle about it, I guess. But I, I, Howie, congratulations getting signed by Fox Cricket and um, getting to do the test stuff. I mean, you're in such a fortunate position. And for a long time, you know, you had to have played test cricket or played for Australia to commentate on the test, but there has been a shift, and I think you've been a, a big part in sort of making that happen. Oh, that's very kind of you to say, and um, I don't take it lightly because if you look in the shoes of those who have gone before you, they're absolutely legends of Australian sport and Australian life, really. So um, mine will be a minor role. Um, you know, when you've got Gilchrist and Warren and Hussey and Brett Lee and Isha Gur and Mel Jones and Andrew Simon, you know, I could go on and on and Mark Waugh and Kerry O'Keefe. Um, I think it's important, Menas, to know your position in the team. Um, and I reckon I'm coming in at 11 and maybe bowling three overs into the breeze so we can uh, change the new ball in the 80th over. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's... I'm tremendously excited about it, and I don't take the opportunity lightly because, as you say, it's um, it's not an opportunity that comes every day. So I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> Good stuff. It doesn't matter if you're number 11. As long as you get the call up, that's the main yeah, that's thing. Yeah, that's right. As long as, as long as you get a hit at some stage. Now, uh, the Fox Cricket sort of started off this summer. They've had the, the JLT Cup and the White Ball Internationals. What's it been like so far bringing this new team together? Hectic. Hectic. Because like anything, when you start from scratch, and Steve Crawley and his team, Matthew Weiss, Brad McNamara, the senior producer, alongside Steve Hurst and the other senior producer, and Matty Weiss, the general manager of cricket, I think what they've done in a six-month period has been quite extraordinary. Not just the talent they've got, but the technical advances they've got that you would have seen in uh, in the T20s and the one days and some of the innovative approaches they're taking. I think it's an enormous task. Um, they've got six years at it. Um, I look back, and people were really positive about 10's Big Bash coverage, but the first couple of years, men, as people forget, they weren't. They're like, who are these guys? They've never done cricket before. Why are they doing it like that? Why are they commentating like that? Why are they showing that angle? So I think Fox is in a position where they're really, really advanced, but I've got no doubt the first day of the Indian Test coverage uh, in Adelaide will be completely different to the first day of the Test coverage in four years' time. I think it's a work in progress, and you try and 
you know, you try and improve as you go along. So I think there's so many moving parts to get working together. I'm sure Fox have done a wonderful job to this point, but it's a test match and everyone needs to step up. And, and I think that's the message that they want to keep pushing the envelope and improving. I know we certainly have meetings after every match we've done so far, whether it be a JLT or the 50 overs or the T20 is to write, this is what we did okay, this is what we could do better, how are we going to improve next game, which is, yeah, it's really exciting to be part of that. And what are some of the innovations that you're looking at uh, doing this summer? Well, I think anyone that would have seen any of the T20 one day, especially before the game, I think the player asset access, um, which was I, I was very, very happy to be um, part of that. To have the player access, I know you're at the game, so I don't know how much you've seen of the coverage, Menace, but to be able to walk around live amongst the players in the warm-up and go up to them and talk to Mitchell Stark, you know, tell us about your run-up and how do you bowl the in-swing or Alex Carey, you know, what do you think when the bowler's coming in or the other night talking with Marcus Stoinis in the middle of him practising high balls on the boundary, what his technique is. I certainly know my, my kids are young and they want to be educated about cricket. So I think I think that's a big innovation, that live approach to showing what's actually out in the middle absolutely i think during the test match i don't want to give too much away but i think you'll hear a little bit more of the audio from the middle in the test coverage via the stump mics which would be fantastic so yeah there's there's lots of things going on but i I think the thing i'm really looking forward to for anyone that watches fox league or fox footy afl i think the analysis of it and the war room component or the technical analysis, the lab, for want of a better term, that's the bit I'm really looking forward to because I know Mike Hussey's going to focus a lot on that. So when you see a certain batsman dismissed, I think because Fox doesn't have ad breaks, you may well see in the break between overs Huss saying, right, well, let's have a look at this. He bowled an in-swinger, he pushed him back. He bowled an in-swinger, he pushed him back. And there's the one that goes the other way, which tempted him. So it wasn't getting out just that ball. He worked it out over three or four overs. So I think that analysis and having someone like Mr. Cricket to do that is the bit that really interests me. Warney did a little bit with Zampa's bowling uh, and it blew my socks off. So as a cricket fan, I think that'll be really, really cool. You know I love hardcore cricket analysis, Howie. I'm into all that stuff. (laughs) So when I had you on the show on the Australian Cricket Podcast last year, it was a very popular interview, but I said to you, you know, I didn't like players being mic'd up well they've certainly um, gone uh, all in on having the players interviewed during play I remember in the JLT Cup we had AJ Ty I think commentating just before he started a spell or being interviewed to yeah. sort of say what he would do and, and I think you know if the viewers want it it's unbelievable to get that kind of access and coverage and, and you do get insights and a window into what's going on in the middle. Yeah, and, you know, Fox have employed the, the Fox cam, um, the old spider cam, which now has is really technically cool when you see it. It has a microphone on it and it has a speaker, so it can zoom down next to Mitchell Stark after his spell and the commentators, he doesn't need to be wired up or anything. The, the camera's just above his head and the commentators can ask questions, which he can hear through the speaker and then answer back through a, basically a flying microphone. Certainly during the Big Bash, I think you'll see a lot more of that. As far as the test matches go... You will see that, but there is some that's governed by the ICC manners as to what access is being given. And I know certainly Fox is pushing the barriers there and trying to push the ICC to try and take what's happening in the middle to the actual audience. So I think that as the players get more comfortable and more importantly, when the administrators get more comfortable with it, you'll see more of that. Um, yes, yeah, so I, you know, sports entertainment minutes. That's I've always thought that that we are not just competing against, say, during the Australian summer. We're not just competing against the Australian Open for eyeballs or, or Channel Seven with another cricket channel or the Iron Man or basketball. You're competing in the entertainment space. You know, my kids are deciding not whether to watch the cricket or the tennis. They're deciding whether to watch the cricket, the tennis, or Netflix or something that they taped the night before. So, you've got to be able to entertain. And entertainment doesn't mean over-the-top yelling and screaming, but it means your package and your product needs to be something that will entertain people because otherwise there are too many other options for them to watch, mate, as you would understand. That's right. I'm not a big fan of the Fox camera, the flying Fox camera, but I am looking forward to one of you sort of getting above Virat Kohli and just trying to talk to him in the middle of a test match and see how that goes. I think there could be some flying objects at that that camera. Yeah, I, I don't think... I don't think we'll be interrupting the Indian skipper. It's not as if it's not like the Big Bash when they're batting and stuff. There's some pretty strict rules about it. Basically, at the moment, as far as I'm aware, it hasn't changed. It's around drinks break. So coming out of a drinks 
break, you can chat with a player, but you can't you can't whip the flying fox out in the middle uh, after he's just been floored by a bouncer and start asking him questions. I don't I don't think you'll ever see that in Test cricket. As much as there's some TV executives around the world who would like to see that. You've been working with some big stars over the last few <laughs> years, but there's no one bigger than Shane Warne. What's it like for you being up in the box with him, and how's he? How is he to work with? He's extraordinary. I don't know if you or your listeners uh, get the Weekend Australian, but there's an article by Trent Dalton in the magazine yesterday. Have you read it, Menas? No, it's I entitled The Odd Couple. It's titled Can Adam Gilchrist and Shane Warne Play Nice Behind the Mic? It's a fantastic article that calls Gilly the White Knight and Warney the Black Knight and all these type of things. All right, he's, he's, I don't want to talk in cliches. What's the best way from my limited experience to describe Shane? He is full of life. He's full of positivity. He walks into the commentary box with a smile on his face and a spring in his step. I probably didn't understand how passionate he is about cricket. Obviously, he was a wonderful cricketer, but I think like Mark Waugh, he just genuinely loves the game. And I think what's come out in the short form so far is he gets frustrated when Australia aren't playing well because he has so much love to see Australia play. So his approach is the way he explained it to me was Kerry Packer told him, Shane, don't tell people what they can see, which is probably my job, you know, cover driver goes to the fence. It's then his job to explain to people why he was able to play that cover drive and what the bowler could do differently. So he's he's box office, he's rock star, he's, everything he says becomes a headline, but he's got incredible, I don't want to go on too long, but he's got incredible manners. I have noticed that. Everyone, he'll remember their name. Um, he'll address them by name. He'll smile at the door staff as we walk in. He'll open doors for people. He's got a real care for people around him, which is not something not knowing him that I, I knew he had. He's a very warm, friendly, and the best thing about him, and you meet so few people like it, and is the best thing about Shane Warne is I truly don't think he cares what other people think. I've only met a couple of people like that in my life. One is a fellow called Sam Newman, who's an AFL footballer and started the AFL footy show. I think, how good would it be, man, as living a life where you do not care what other people think? It's not It's not an arrogant thing. It's not uh, I'm too cool thing. It's just like I'm really happy in my own skin and this is the way I'm going to do it. And if you like it, embrace it. If you don't, it's not going to worry me, which I think it'll be a really, really nice way to live your life. Yeah, I reckon if I had 700 test wickets in the bank, I'd probably feel pretty comfortable with myself. Yeah, but he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't rub that in your face. He's not like, I'm the greatest bowler of all time, which he is. He's just... I'm a bloke who loves cricket, and I'm going to talk about it. And when we go out for dinner, if we're at a fancy Chinese, I don't want it, so I'll order a cheese pizza. Like, but it's 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 not him making a statement or being trying to be different. It's just Shane being Shane, and that that's the thing that I've really been drawn to so far. And, and him and Gilly have been getting on fine. There's nothing to this underlying tension. No, not at all. I I, I think. That's why I say I urge your listeners to read the article called Odd Couple. They are completely different people. They are chalk and cheese in so many ways. Uh, The way they view life, the way they approach life. One's not better or worse. They're just different. But I sat in commentary with them the other night in a T20 game and I hardly had to speak because they were just bouncing off each other and laughing and throwing opinions at each other. I don't think they're the new Bill and Tony who were always at each other's throats, and people love that. People love seeing tension on television, but they will have difference of opinions, and they will be both strong enough to view them in the same box at the same time, which is um, which will make for interesting listening, I guess. It comes back to entertainment, doesn't it? I can't wait for that over summer. All right, Howie, before I let you go, I have to congratulate you on the continued success of your podcast, The Howie Games. How's it going? Yeah, mate, it's... um. It's going, uh, I think we're 61 episodes in now. I think the last year we've had 14.5 million downloads, which I remember when we had 100 after the first Adam Gilchrist episode. Um, yeah, it's it's blown me away, but it's due to the, the wonderful guests we've had on. And for, you know, there's all sorts of guests, but for your cricket fans, we've had Ricky on and Adam Gilchrist, Kevin Peterson, Darren Sammy, Brad Hodge, Damien Martin coming up in the next series, which starts just after Christmas. We've already recorded an episode with Elise Perry. There's one coming with Kerry and there's one coming with Shane as well. Um, so, yeah. It's, how um, did you, how it's much did you have fun. to pay Shane to come on? Well, Shane's promoting a book, Menace. So, um, <laughs> you I, I guess him. when you tell him that, yeah, I guess when you tell him how many people have downloaded the show, 
Um, but to be honest, I asked Shane straight away. He's like, yeah, mate, I'd love to come on um, and just have a chat. He's not, that's what I'm telling you, he's 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 like the bloke next door. He's genuinely like the bloke next door, except he could bowl exceptionally good leg spin and lives a life that most of us can't really fathom. Yeah, I really enjoyed your recent interviews with Justin Langer and Tim Payne and with, you know, such a big summer of cricket ahead and with so much on their soul, shoulders. It was a fascinating insight into both of them. And, you know, Langer's this very passionate man, full of energy and zeal, religious zeal for cricket almost. Yeah. And Tim Payne's this sort of down-to-earth Tasmanian that's very grounded. I thought they were great interviews. I'd recommend the listeners go and find them. Well done. Thanks, mate. I think they're like the fire and ice, those two. Justin is so passionate. He's all heat and Tim's all ice. And I think that's why they'll be a wonderful combination. Now, you've listened to it. You couldn't get two blokes that you'd want to have leading your country in a difficult time more than those two. Apart from the fact that Justin Langer was a very, very funny man. The other one that really lit up, that I, it's got an extraordinary number of downloads, is Andrew Simons. People just love him. Like, that went straight to the number one chart. I wasn't even the number one sport podcast. Well, it was the number one podcast in the country. Um, because people are fascinated by Roy. He's a, he's a loose cannon, that man. He is, and I reckon he's a sneaky good commentator. I, I've noticed this year in particular, I think he's really finding his feet in the commentary box, and I think he's going to be one to watch. Yeah, I, I, his understanding and analysis of the game. I think he, he talks more about fielding than any other commentator as well because he was so good at it. And when it's a T20 game, as we see, when it comes down to the last over, if you can save three or four runs in the field, you probably win the game. So, yeah, he's a good man. He's doing a lot of big bash too, Roy. So, mate, she's a, the schedule, uh, I won't bore you with it, but uh, as of the first day of the Adelaide Test, it is just on, on, on. So if you like cricket, yeah, happy days. And congratulations to the way your podcast going now that you've got uh, News Corp on board and you've signed up with uh, Lachlan and Rupert. Mate, you're absolutely flying. Thank you, Howie. Well, on that note, I'll let you go and uh, get ready for the first test. You can you bury your head into some Indian cricket stats and get ready for the first test so you can dissect the Indian team. Thanks so much for your time and best of luck in the first test. We're all uh, wishing you and the whole team uh, all the best. Cheers, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I'll see you over the summer and good luck with the continued success of the podcast. Thanks, Howie. Take care. That was Mark Howard from Fox Cricket. And that's it for Cricket Unfiltered this week. Thanks so much for downloading the show and listening. Thank you to Pete Lawler and Ben Horn for giving their analysis in the lead-up to the first Test versus India. Thanks to Mark Howard from Fox Cricket. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm on Twitter at A-Meners, A-M-E-N-N-E-R-S. You can email the show at... Oz Cricket Pod, that's A-U-S Cricket Pod at gmail.com if you've got any questions. And we'll be back on Thursday with another show. Thank you.